0: prayer mid-pandemic, a podcast to encourage and sharpen the church through telling stories of Christians whose faith are shaped by sickness and by praying with fellow believers around the world. I'm Morgan Lee. Rebecca Naylor spent more than 35 years with the Southern Baptist Convention's International Mission Board's Bangalore Baptist Hospital in Bangalore, India as a surgeon and working in hospital administration
1: was actually a student in junior high school when I became interested in medicine. Uh, I didn't have any background. There was no one in the family. There was no one I particularly knew who was a doctor, but I felt very sure that that was the direction I wanted to go in my life. She worked
0: as a surgeon and in hospital administration at the Bangalore Baptist Hospital. Naylor pursued her medical studies in the late 1960s and early 1970s. She completed surgical training at Southwestern Medical Center and Parkland Hospital in Dallas, Texas, where she was the first woman in general surgery. In 2017, Naylor was named the American College of Surgeons' Pfizer Lifetime Humanitarian Awardee. My,
1: um, my relationship to Jesus is really my primary identity. So faith has been central in my life since uh, childhood. Uh, Faith should be connected with our work, of course, no matter what is our profession. And surely in medicine, it connects. Um, You know, even as a child, I read about Jesus and his healing miracles in the Gospels. Uh, Then as I studied the sciences, especially, I guess, in the biologic sciences, I became even more convinced that Uh, God is the creator. He is sovereign. Um, And prior to becoming a doctor, uh, you know, I hadn't really had exposure to sickness or pain, but I was uh, certain that in the medical profession, my faith was going to be vital and play a very prominent role. What did you know about India before you ended up moving there? Very little. I visited India as a tourist when I was a medical student. I was overwhelmed, actually, by the numbers of people and uh, the heat and, you know, poverty. And it was overwhelming. I could not imagine ever going there to live. But that is where God placed me.
0: So for people who are familiar with Bangalore today, many people think of it as a place where a lot of our tech companies are located or multinationals. I'm curious, though, what year did you arrive in Bangalore and
1: what did, this, what did it look like? I arrived there in 1974, which was, of course, pre-technology days. Um, the city at that point was about one and a half million people. It was known as the garden city of India, uh, a little better climate than the other large cities. Today, Bangalore is over 11 million. So obviously, it's changed greatly in these um, 40 plus years. What was the
0: state of many of the patients that you treated with regards to the diseases that they suffered from and also their own income levels education levels, parts of the country that they came from? How would you describe them?
1: Our hospital cared for all kinds of people. We were there to provide care for the poor, marginalized population, and many of our patients were like that. Um, Sometimes they were not literate. Lack of education and money, lack of access to health care often meant that people came to us with their diseases far more advanced and more critically ill because they, they waited too late or they could only come at the last minute. Um, And that was always, I've always felt sad that so many, many people were like that. How would you describe what the first year of that experience was like for you? Um, It was a year of, first trying to learn some language and culture, Uh, I did start to work in the hospital immediately. The hospital had been open a few months um, and the patient load was slowly increasing. Um, So, um, you know, I was busy both professionally and then, of course, in learning language, um, already making friends and learning the community. Probably the hardest part that year and even in later years was separation from family. Um, Otherwise, yes, it was very different, but I knew it would be different, and I knew that God had called me to be there. How did being around disease
0: and pain and suffering this consistently affect your spiritual life?
1: I think as, um, you know, as we're around sickness and pain and suffering, it, it does stimulate us to uh, examine our own faith. And as I did so, um, and as I thought about p- my patients who who were sick, I, I just gave thanks over and over for the assurance that I had of God's presence, the assurance I had of eternal life uh, and of God's promises. Um and so you know, I could I could see, I could see God's um, drawing unbelievers to Him through their suffering. And I could see even suffering in believers being something that is, is important in conforming us to the image of Jesus. What do you think Christians should know
0: about people who are sick?
1: I think uh, we need to certainly remember that when people are sick, they um, they are afraid. They're vulnerable. You know, they don't know what's coming. They're uncertain. Uh, they may not have any assurance of 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 what's going to happen if they die. Um, and we need to be as as the church. We should be very aware of that and be aware also. Of the responsibilities that we have to them.
0: I'm curious if there were moments during this thirty five year plus span where you just felt overwhelmed by the amount of sickness that you saw.
1: There were there were never struggles in my faith. Um, I think the the numbers of uh, an amount of suffering and sickness and and other challenges that I faced, a lot of other things. Uh, didn't cause me to struggle in my faith. It only sent me deeper into God's Word. It, it greatly increased my, my prayer life. And so as a result of the challenges, my faith grew. Um, it was tested and, uh, and was refined, as the Scripture talks about. Um, you know, as the hospital CEO, I, I faced there were financial challenges. We had labor union issues. On a personal level, my license to practice medicine was uh, taken away and denied by the government on several occasions. Uh, these were all tests, but it only drove me deeper in my faith walk.
0: What did you learn from your time working in? the hospital in Bangalore that you think the church should hear
1: now? Being a follower of Jesus, I think about God's love for me. My response is, of course, love for God, which issues in obedience to Him, submission to Him, and love and service to others. And so I, I think we, we as the church need to remember that, you know, we are commissioned to meet needs, to serve others, and to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And we have much opportunity, I think, in the present pandemic crisis that we're in. We have much opportunity to do this, um, a unique opportunity. And I pray that the church will respond appropriately.
0: You know, we said at the beginning of this that you worked in this hospital for more than 35 years. And I'm sure there's countless patients that you had interactions with. But I'm wondering if you, for the sake of this conversation, if you can just share about a story about a particular patient where you saw God really work through this patient.
1: I would be happy to. I think of a lady I took care of named Amini. She was a lady from a village, um, not, not from urban Bangalore. She had come to us with tuberculosis, which involved multiple parts of her body, which was how I got involved surgically. I had operated on her a couple of times. She was in the ICU. She was critically ill. It seemed that the medicines were not helping I always prayed for my patients, and I prayed with my patients. Um, our chaplains had talked to this lady. They had prayed with her, and nothing seemed to help. And one fine day, she just began to get better. Uh, didn't, I didn't have any real explanation for that, except that God had intervened. And after a few days, she was back in a regular room. I was making rounds one morning and she said, uh, I want to sing you a song. I thought I wasn't sure I really had time to listen to music on morning rounds, but I decided it would be good if I did. And she began to sing about Jesus. And then her story was this She said, When I was in the ICU, I knew that I was dying. I had prayed to my gods, and nothing had happened. And I thought I should pray to Jesus that you and others told me about. And so I did, and I began to get better. And as she told me this, I was thinking, well, I guess she's added Jesus on to her other gods. And then she said, but now... It does not matter whether I live or die, because I know that I will be with Jesus.
0: Here's the latest coronavirus news for the week of May 5th. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb's plan to reopen the state's economy will limit the number of people that can be in every establishment, except for places of worship. This Sunday, churches will be able to reopen and they will not face restrictions on the number of people who can attend. We just thought a good place to start or have a control group would be places of worship, the governor said. But I did say we needed those church leaders to be responsible for their congregations. We can prove we can do this, and I think we'll see just that. Many German churches reopened this past Sunday. Under the government's guidelines, attendees must wear masks and observe social distancing. Congregants are also banned from singing over concerns that this makes it easier to spread the virus. Last week, as reported by Evangelical Focus, a spokesperson for the German government thanked churches for cooperating with the restrictions, saying that they and other religious communities had been, quote, very responsible and very problem conscious. In Austria, a tweet from Chancellor Sebastian Kurz gave special recognition to churches. Thanks to everyone who stands together and helps from business to civil society and especially the religious communities. A special thank you to the churches who also exemplify the restrictive measures at their most important Easter festival. In a separate conversation, Kurz also remarked that in quote, times of crisis, the church offers support to many people and makes an important contribution through its charitable commitment. Thank you for that. Kansas City cardiologist Danun Jaya launched a four-month study last week investigating the, quote, role of remote intercessory multi-denominational prayer on clinical outcomes in COVID-19 patients, according to a description of the study on the NIH website. As NPR reported, half of the patients randomly chosen will receive a quote, universal prayer offered in five denominational forms via Christianity, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, and Buddhism. The other 500 patients will constitute the control group. All the patients will receive the standard of care prescribed by their medical providers. Lacaretti has assembled a steering committee of medical professionals to oversee the study. For more church-related coronavirus news, Please visit the link to CT's website on this in our show notes. Because of the global nature of this crisis, we believe it's important to hear from our sisters and brothers in Christ from around the world. Our prayer today comes from Jorge Toto Bermudez, the General Secretary of the Comunidad Bíblica Universitaria in Uruguay.
2: Hello friends of Christianity Today, this is Jorge Bermúdez from Montevideo, Uruguay in South America. I'm the General Secretary of the Local Student Movement affiliated to the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your continuous presence with us in the middle of this pandemic. Thank you, Lord, for the for the hope that we have, that you are in control of history and that we move forward to the moment where our salvation will be completed. Thank you that in Uruguay, even though a small country at the moment, we have less than 20 people dead of coronavirus and our healthcare system has half of its ICU beds available. But please Lord, Grant wisdom to our government officials to set the best policies to protect especially our elderly people, the most vulnerable. And give us wisdom and strength so we may stay at home whenever is possible and meanwhile build the best relationship we can in our homes. And Lord have mercy on all the children and women who are victims of domestic violence and whom this current uh, quarantine forces to live in constant fear. Help us, Father, to be creative and to be able, as your people, to reach out to them as your loving arms. We pray for this with gratitude and expectation in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ.
0: Prayer Amid Pandemic is produced by myself, Morgan Lee, along with Matt Linder, Mike Hosper, and Eric Petrick. Please help us spread the word about prayer amid pandemic by sharing about it on social media or recommending it to your friends. The best way for you to help, though, is by reading and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. If you have feedback, please send us an email at podcast at com or on Twitter at CT Podcasts. We'll see you soon.